you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. football program available on itunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com now here's your host dave damashek hi and hello football fans it's your old pal dave dave damashek what's going down i hope all's well wherever you are welcome to episode number 161 of the dave damashek football program available as always on itunes and at nfl.com slash check s-h-e-k We want to talk about some football, football and more football. Yes, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, but Tebow, don't you know? Tebow, 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 Tebow. That's what we have to talk about. And let's do it right now with the man who just picked up all his belongings, shipped himself, his lady, and their baby from New York City out here to the West Coast to the NFL Network Nerve Center in Culver City, California, the editor-in-chief of Around the League. It's Greg Rosenthal. What's the poop? What a pleasure to see you out here permanently now. It's nice to be out here. It's so quiet up here, though. I'm used to seeing you and all your little henchmen. My henchmen? You know. What am I, like the penguin in the old Batman series? I have guys dressed in in matching turtleneck shirts. Well, you're calling the shots. Their name's not on the front of the program. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Oh, speaking of that, let's say hello to the guy seated behind the glass there. Black tie, shockingly, on vacation. He's on vacation for roughly two-thirds of the calendar year. Um, (laughs) And filling his void, a new addition to the tie rack here. It's Skinny Tie. What's the poop? It's a perfect name for him, too, because he wears a skinny tie all the time. What's happening, Skinny? Not much. Just glad to be here to uh, be on your show for the first time. I've observed many times a black tie doing Mm -hmm. nothing back here, as he usually does, but I'm here to step it up. Hey, this ain't NPR, boy. Put put some bravura in your voice, would you? (laughs) You know, some, you know, some salt. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying to you? You want some emotion? That's right. I, I just want you to bring it. That's all. I don't know what that means. I don't understand it. the ties in the office when it's not required. It this is this is happening around this building. W- why would you do that? I I, I like success. it. You dress for success. I, I'm with him. This is a youngster. This is a young man seated behind the glass. Look, he, yeah, he wants to put a winning face on what he's got going on there. It's one of the nicest things about coming here from 345 Park Avenue is I no longer I didn't go in there every day, but when I did, you had to wear a suit. The East Coast Nerve Center requires a suit each day. Yes, it does. Really? In a tie. And everyone takes it off right away. After about six to nine months, I decided to stop wearing a tie because no one I no one that I worked with was there. I'm not reporting to anyone. I'm not having any meeting. And I actually went and looked at the manual that they give you when they hire you and, and checked out what the dress code is. And it just said you had to be professional. And that you can't be outdressed basically by people you're meeting with. I'm not meeting with any. So I went suit, no tie. But that's as casual as you can get. Wait a sec. I lo- well, so it's not a, a requirement. I guess it's just the culture over there. Isn't that crazy, though, that there's such a difference in, in culture that in New York, everybody's walking around in a suit and most guys with a tie. And out here, I mean, I walk around in Chuck Taylors most days. 
I mean, every everything's different. I mean, the commission is a floor down from where I was. The commission's there. Jeff Pash, a lot of big-time people. Do you see the commissioner on a regular basis? You see him in the uh, commissary every once in a while. When he sees you, does he say, hey, Greg, how are you? Uh, we don't know each other well. so Does he know. know your name? He probably knows my name, but that's more on me than him. Uh, I'm not one to come up and, you know, glad hand and, and say hello and introduce myself. And But a lot of people do, you know, say hello, commission. I like that he's like the president, though. Everyone calls him commish. You don't they call, do his face? They right. say commish. Everyone. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, when he's going by in the hall, you'll see everyone like, hello, commish. Good morning, commish. Yeah, Raj would be too informal, I feel, but Mr. Goodell, Mr. Goodell would makes be sense weird. to me. Uh, too much, though. He seems He's not an old guy or anything. He seems like a regular fella. And it's not glad-handing. Don't, no. I mean, you could talk football with him. No, Doesn't no. he legitimately? From what you've gathered, does commish Goodell like to sit around and just talk about football like hey i like you know what i think that the eagles defense is going to have a hard time trying to trying to wrangle both hakeem nicks and victor (laughs) cruz this weekend i'm sure he'd love to find time in his day to do that yeah but i think he's into it i mean you could tell there's some people that work for the nfl that aren't as big football fans as others i think he's a big football fan Mm. i heard stories the reporters trying to like corner him you know, in the lunchroom to to get information that that was frowned upon. But I think, you know, in the past that's happened. I think, you know what, you're new out here. You're an editor-in-chief. That means you got some juice. And I'd like to think that perhaps, with my help, a new broom named Rosenthal can sweep clean. I don't like the dead weight around these parts. I don't like <laughs> I don't like NFL employees who don't know who Rocky Blyer and Drew Pearson are. This is insane to me. Why do you want to work in the NFL if you, if, if you don't know who football players are? I couldn't, True? Ag- I couldn't agree with you more because I was surrounded by a lot of more business development and a lot of other you know parts of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember— when, right, They can stay because they're bi- whatever, business. But they should, they should be into football. There's a lot of CNBC on the TVs there. That's worrisome. Oh, really? Yeah, There's, that's That's no worrisome. Thing. When Junior Seau passed away, when when he tragically died, I mean, I remember, wow, that's it doesn't get much big bigger in terms of an NFL story. And I'm covering the news, and we're writing seven, eight posts on that and all the different reports and everything and everyone commenting. It, it's taken up our day. And, I, and I, that was early on when I got hired. And I, and I just remember seven or eight hours later hearing a couple of people go, did you hear what happened with Junior Seau? And I, I'm thinking that's yesterday by now. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they had just found out that. Now, come on. Well, it's the equivalent of if anybody didn't know about Tim Tebow at this point. wonder if we could suss out one soul walking these halls who does not know what is going on with Tim Tebow. I know people who know nothing about football who know who Tim Tebow is. They're like, oh, he's he's the religious one. So I think you're going to have a hard time finding that. But it could be a good mission for us to attempt to. Um, mission and Tebow. I see how what you did there. Very subtly <laughs> how you worked that in. Now, Rosenthal, so you are, like I say, you sit atop the Around the League Mountain. We enjoy bringing in um, Dan Hanzoos and Mark Sessler, Mr. Fancy Pants, as often as we possibly can here. We love the Around the League Debate Club. And you visited us on a couple of occasions over the past year, year and a half. And so we look forward to uh, to continuing with that as long as it's cool. Are you now going to do, though, I like the idea of an Around the League podcast. How say you? Yeah. Well, because we do the debate club already. 
Right. And we put that in with our other podcast. And then we're going to get into football. We're talking. To, oh, by the way, coming up, I should uh, I should let the listeners know. Jason Witten, all pro tight end of the Dallas Cowboys, coming up in uh, just a little bit. We'll talk with him. Meantime, we're talking to Rosenthal. I think you're onto something, this ATL podcast. I like the idea of it because you guys are constantly churning out. I always say whatever's going on in pro football around the league is covering it and always with a bit of mirth, which is what I is what I appreciate. A little bit of commentary always stuck in there. It's not simple reporting. This happened. You always then you, you evaluate ever so subtly and then sometimes not so subtly. Chris Wessling, as a for instance, the the newest uh, fella is at around the league, has put out his top 40 wide receivers list, and it's pretty compelling stuff, and we'll get him in here at some point soon. But all right, Rosenthal, let's talk about the big news. You're not just somebody who's interested in it because you like pro football. You happen to root for the New England Patriots. Now, let's talk broad strokes, Tim Tebow to the Patriots. As recently as a week ago, his career as a pro, or at least at the NFL, maybe CFL or where, whatever other hokum is out there. He was never going to play quarterback again in the NFL. Now he is on arguably the team that is the mo- has at least been the most competitive for the past decade. Go. Well, it, I don't think it's a huge surprise. When we first, you know, when you he first... You don't think it's a surprise. It's a surprise as of five days ago, but when he first got cut, we made a list on around the league, most likely landing spots. The number one name on the list, New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. I always thought he'd get a job. I never thought he wouldn't have a job. Pat White has a job. It's not that hard to get a quarterback job in the NFL. There, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that have done a lot less than Tim Tebow. So it just meant, never made sense to me that he wouldn't get a job somewhere. I just assumed it would happen. From the outsider's perspective or somebody who doesn't root from the Patriots perspective at least, I it gives me a cold chill up my spine. And my first reaction is to denounce it, how silly, Tim Tebow, what's a, what, what place is there for him on that roster when you have Tom Brady, arguably, you know, who knows what happens over the next three, four seasons. But if things go the right way, he might be the greatest quarterback of all time. That might, might be how we regard him. And all of a sudden, Tim Tebow, and then Ryan Mallett, big arm kid behind him. What, what place is there for him? And then I realized I was just talking. I was doing that to my brain. I was trying to talk myself out of Tim Tebow being successful there. I wanted it to be about Bill Belichick's hubris, and I can make this work. But then you just look at the at the facts, and Troy Brown in the twilight of his career, goes from being a wide receiver or along with being a wide receiver, suddenly is a semi-capable defensive back. I'm actually stopping good teams and making legitimate plays and contributing. And Mike Vrabel goes from uh, OLB to a pass catcher in the red zone for him. So why not, Tim Tebow? What do you think specifically? How do you imagine they're going to deploy him on the gridiron? I don't think they will much at all. I don't think he'll be much of a factor. Then why would they get him? Why would they bring in, in this after watching what happened in New York a year ago and the circus, and I think it's very human. If you really, people say that doesn't make any sense when you say that, but uh, when people say to me uh, in response to what I'm now going to tell you, which is <laughs> I don't think those guys like answering questions all the time about Tim Tebow. I think it's annoying to them. It's a distraction to them. And at some point gets in their head and takes them off of what they're supposed to be focused on. People say, oh, who cares? Oh, why would that be? A, you're overstating that. No, I think these guys have egos, and I don't think they like dealing with it. And it's not Tim Tebow's fault, but it happens. 
And so if you're the Patriots or any other team, why do it? Because if you, unless you perceive that this guy is really going to be a huge X factor for your team. Because they don't care about that media glare. They feel like they've been through it before and they can handle it. I mean, they they button up everyone. Everything that comes in there, you expect it to be a problem. And Tom Brady's ACL recovery was practically a non-story by the time that thing was over with. They shut it down. They let Tim Tebow have a 30-second statement, take no questions. That's the last we're going to see from hmm. him in a while. Why do they do it? I I can't really figure it out, but there's a couple reasons, I think. One is the relationship Belichick has with Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow and that they're just doing him a solid. Not really Meyer, but more hmm. Tebow. You know, Josh McDaniels, he drafted Tebow in the first round. In 2010, I heard very strong buzz, we'll say, and this was coming from the Tebow camp, that the Patriots gave Tebow a guarantee that they were going to draft Tebow if he got to X spot in the draft. Wasn't wasn't in the first round, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I think they always kind of liked him as a player, just, hey, you know, we're not going to let this guy fall too far. But who takes him instead? Josh McDaniels in the first round. He's now on the Patriots. Josh McDaniels brought in Michael Hunamanawea from St. Louis. He brought in Greg Salas. He brought in Brandon Lloyd. He brought in Spencer Larson from Denver. Who are these guys? What impact? First of all, not a very good track record of of guys that he's brought in, that he's worked Mm. with. And so why not bring in Tebow? I think that's that's what they look at it. Hey, can he do we like him better than Mike Kafka? Yeah, we do. So let's let's bring him in. But I mean that you, you say that and it, it, but it sort of yeah, oh by the way, he's obviously better than that, but it, he's he he really is not somebody who you can throw in there in a conventional way and say, "Yeah, all right, guess what? Mallet just got dinged too and Brady went out in the why first not? quarter. Hey, Tebow, run the show." It would have, be a grossly different offense. You wouldn't I, be able to say, "Do with Tom Brady run the run the the uh, the plays that stop. Tom Brady's running." But he's the third quarterback. I mean, how he's? I can't believe I'm defending Tebow because at the time, you know, I was I was not on the Tebow train. It all seemed a little ridiculous and a lot of luck involved, and I didn't think he was going to have a much of a career in the NFL. But he started a lot of games for a team that went to the playoffs. He was a starting quarterback. He won a playoff game. Are there other number three quarterbacks out there that are really better than him? Probably not. I mean, you no, can throw a, him out there. He's not going to the difference ruin your is team. A, but 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 that's exactly what he could do. He, I, 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 it's not his fault that the Jets stunk the way they did, <laughs> but he certainly didn't help matters. And I think you could make a case, as I said roughly at this time one year ago, that they're really going all in with Sanchez here on on his frame of mind, you bring in a sideshow like Tebow, he's either going to rise to the occasion or he's going to crumble from all the pressure associated with it, the daily questions that he's going to get about it. Now, I know Tom Brady's not in the same spot, but I still say I can't imagine a, an organization that's as closed off as the Patriots are, and it's funny that this would happen in the same week that Wes Welker goes out and you know essentially insinuate, insinuates that uh, that that it's it. I mean, it sounds like the, the Soviet Union or something. <laughs> Shame the devil if you say boo. No, don't have an opinion. Don't share with anybody. But so I don't think uh, an organization that that's closed off would bring in Tebow. I think. It's worse than that. As somebody who's not a Patriots rooter, I think that Belichick doesn't take this gamble unless he feels like. And let's remember, too, Bel- uh, uh, Tim Tebow's last useful uh, snaps in the NFL 
were against the Patriots in the divisional round two years ago. So we know Bill Belichick is looking at tape, looking at tape all week long. Why, what did he do to the Steelers? How was he effective? This eight-game stretch that he went through where they kept winning games improbably. What's he doing? It seems to me that Bill Belichick could divine a way to use um, – to use Tebow effectively, and I if nothing else, I can absolutely, especially with question marks, maybe. I'm, now, listen, these are conspiracy theories <laughs> I'm throwing at you. But maybe this tells us something about Rob Gronkowski, that Gronkowski is not going to be a dependable red zone target, or at least they fear that that could be the case. And therefore, they have to do something to tweak the offense to ensure that they're scoring touchdowns, not field goals when they get down there. Now, how do you do it? You're not going to take Tom Brady, one of the great QBs of all time, off the field. However, if you line him up in the backfield, Tim Tebow, you hand it off to him, he throws it, all the hokey stuff that all the teams do, goes out for passes, all this jazz. Why? I mean, that seems scary to me, and the proposition of that happening it, to me thinks like, oh, it makes me think, oh, yeah, they'll do that, and they'll, and they'll dominate in the red zone. I feel like they'll throw that in here and there, maybe. You know, he's a role player. We're talking about a role player. You know what I mean? When they drafted Julian Edelman, he was a quarterback, too. And, you know, they turned him into a wide receiver. I don't know if Tom, Tim Tebow can do that. But you can mix him in at these other spots, H-back, whatever. But he's just a guy that has no guaranteed money trying to make a team. To me, he's like Donald Jones from the Bills that they signed and Michael Jenkins and all these guys. And they just kind of throw it against the wall and they see what sticks. And Tebow, I think, has a better chance to make the team than those guys because he's a quarterback. You usually have three quarterbacks, and I don't think they'd sign him unless they thought he had a legitimate chance to make the team. But he's just one of those guys. And I think Belichick, from stories I've heard, he does enjoy tweaking the media a little bit. He does enjoy saying, you don't think I'm going to do this? You know, I'm going to do it. And that, that's just like a nice little bonus. That's not the reason he does it. But he doesn't mind. I it. buy, and I also buy your little human element there. That on a, that that he's friends with Urban Meyer, and maybe down, you know, a couple of years ago, there, you know, there was a familiarity with the kid, and well, he, he just to do saw solid, Urban Meyer, right? And Urban could say, "Listen, give this kid a shot." You know, you want? Yeah, you know, I could see that. I could. I, I buy that that stuff happens, except with the Patriots because they're so, like again, they're so closed off. What did you make of Wes Welker getting to Denver and? If you missed it, um, basically through Mike Silver of Yahoo and, of course, the Top 100 Reaction Show, which uh, airs every Thursday. And uh, I'm a part of it. I enjoy dealing with this, Silver. And just a week ago, we were talking about Tim Tebow. And he said, this is absolutely true, that I have a, a source that would not be wrong, that uh, that Belichick was not a fan. Hate was the word hated him as a football player, not as a human being or anything like that, but hated him as a football player. And so Belichick had turned against him and so on. And now we hear, so now he's in touch with Wes Welker as Mike Silver. And Welker basically says, you know, this is much better because I can say what I want. There are no rules. There, there are no restrictions on me. How do you react to all that? Well, it's not a surprise. I mean, I'm, I love Belichick. I'm a Belichickophile. I've read every book that there is on Belichick or the Patriots in that era. And they all say the same thing. This is a focus. They tell the players what to say, what not to say. Don't talk about anyone but yourself. Don't talk about the future. Don't talk about the past. Just talk about today. Speak. Don't. They. This is important to them. I don't know why it's so important to them. It seems like it's, you know, keeping injury information in-house. All this stuff is too emphasized. But 
But I always remember reading, I think it was in Michael Holly's book, Patriot Reign, which is great. And they had this guy, Steve Martin, on the team the first year Belichick was there. And he was going on radio shows and, you know, cracking jokes. And, you know, how Belichick and people say they never read the newspapers. Well, he sees what this guy's saying. And he's just saying jokes about whatever. And Belichick, you know, gets him in a private meeting. And, and I might be botching the details slightly. Uh, but in front of the team, basically F-bombs him in front of everyone. He, he's saying to the other coaches, do we really need a – a bleeping comedian on the team, and and this guy ends up being an expatriate within a year. You know, he hates that stuff. But I don't like that. It's not American, first of all, and it's ironic that the team calls itself the Patriots and wears (laughs) red, white, and blue, and they act like uh, they're in a totalitarian state with this. It's football, after all. Can it be a little bit of fun for these guys? Who would want? Who is a free agent would want to go to that? Who would want to go into that uh, into that environment? Their answer would be they're eliminating distractions. And the track record speaks for itself. And obviously they love football and they love teaching football. So I think that's why people would go there is to win and to get better. But you're right. I don't think it seems wildly paranoid and unnecessary. A lot of the things that that all football coaches do and Belichick and the Patriots would probably be at the top. of the list. I wonder if they're the first. I don't like if the Patriots are the first one to perpetuate this nonsense about we don't care about who we're playing kind of thing. It's a, a rivalry. That's for fans. No, they don't do us. that. They don't I, do that. They do do that. Then they go out and smoke them, but they never <laughs> talk about it. Public. Shame the devil. If they ever would uh, be honest about their feelings, going out and peppering a team 58 to nothing is showing that you have an ax to grind with that team. But that, Oh no no no! We're we're professionals. We don't we don't uh, do anything like that. Well, they love talking up the opponent. That's the yeah. thing that he does more than anything. I mean, he's always bending over backwards. I, I mean, I remember last year they were playing the Jaguars, and like in the first press conference before the you know that week, he's talking about the Jaguars like first half red zone offense. They're like, no one's got a first half red zone offense quite like the Jaguars because he has nothing else good to say <laughs> about the Jaguars. Well, like I say, you know, uh, you say the Jaguars. Had it been the Jaguars where Tim Tebow landed, we would all scoff and say this is obvious uh, a PR uh, thing and it's a sideshow and it's going to be embarrassing for all involved. Here, to me, it sends a chill up my spine. The thing that's interesting, though, I've said this many times. I, if you really want to hear some negative talk about a team, go to their di- to their diehard fans because they're the ones that have been through all of it. And as you point out, the Patriots are a team. We think that the the, the, the infallible Bill Belichick and yeah, they haven't won a Super Bowl in a long time, but they're always in the mix and every button he pushes is the right one and everything. But the fact is, yeah, he they are. Among they must be I, uh, anecdotal. I don't have the numbers, obviously, but it's now that you mention it, they have taken gambles on uh, on players here, there, and everywhere over the years. Hainsworth, yeah, bring them in. Let's see what. Yeah, Hainsworth is the Chad best example. Yeah. yeah, I mean they brought them in right in a row. Right, didn't work at all. I mean it couldn't have been Chad Johnson cost them a Super Bowl, I think. I mean, because if you have a decent wide receiver that year, he's playing a lot of snaps in that giant Super Bowl, getting one-on-one coverage, Hmm. just sitting out there on the other side, and he was a stiff. He never could figure out the plays. I mean, he was a... And they paid him $5 million to do that. So they've had a ton of personnel mistakes, and and the Patriot fan out there is, is leery of this Tebow thing. I'm kind of in the camp of... Hey, it's all good. You Not know, Sporty Simmons. He's over the moon. We'll, we'll figure Tebow, it out. Tebow, he's my, my, he's my <laughs> main man besides Tom Brady. 
Speaking of Simmons, where's that uh, mustache? Don't worry about the mustache. I lost a mustache, Ben, in case you missed it. I took the Penguins. He took his Bruins. We know what happened. And I don't want to talk about it. And I don't appreciate you walking into Studio 66 and throwing that in my face. I'm just saying, I'm sitting across from you and... You know, I don't see it. It'll happen. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. Now, listen to this. I want to ask you about uh, what did you think about it? You mentioned Chad Johnson. What did you think about uh, what happened to him? 30 days in the clink for that? Well, I want to make sure I'm accurate on this, but I read something today that the judge was blind. Like, was that a factor in it that she heard everyone laughing? Yeah, because she said she hears hears the, the courtroom laughing. No. That's not true. She says I you you slapped him on the backside. That's what she says. She how would she know that if she didn't have the power of sight? Just check it out. What's the one sense out of the five you you could eat most easily do without? Taste, touch, sight, hearing. What's the other one? I don't know what the five t- the nothing. five senses are. Hearing. What are the sight? What are, what are they? Skinny tie. What are they? Right. Taste. You got touch. Taste, you got touch. Hearing. You got hearing. Sight. You got sight. Smell. Got, yes. I was going to say. I might, I might do without smell. That might be my choice. But then you wouldn't be able to taste. But let's assume you get to keep the power of taste and for Well, no. You, there is no such thing as taste without smell. I know, but this is well, a hypothetical we're talking about. Well, I think... Well, then, then you would give up smell because that, that's the biggest thing you'd be losing is, is the joy of eating. No, I keep taste, but I have to... Uh, but I do without smell. I'm not accepting. These it's rules. dangerous. It's a dangerous gambit you're 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 taking if you say I'm gonna I'm gonna go without smell because then you wouldn't be able to smell when there's dangerous poison in your house, dangerous gases being emitted. Because that happens all the time. Well, I don't know. I'm touch, just touch. I'm I just think f- would letting be a- you know what all the risks are, the hazards of giving up one of your five senses. I'm trying to help you. This is a big choice. Touch is a weird one. Yeah. I don't know how you could exist without touch. I well, feel like wouldn't. that's yeah. not even an, an option. So no, yeah, you wouldn't know if anybody forget forget about uh, more you know naughty kind of talk. I'm just saying, if somebody stabbed you in the back, you wouldn't even know. But then again, you would probably die, and then it wouldn't make a difference that so you didn't well, feel if, it. If you're and maybe a... it would be good. Like, oh, somebody stabbed me in the back. Oh, I didn't feel it, so no skin off my nose. I mean, if you're allowing me to have taste, then smells the obvious choice. There's not even a close second. You get to, of course, you get to keep taste. I'm not going to take both. I know physiologically you couldn't, but in this scenario that I'm offering you, yeah, then then that's what I do. I think I'm taking smell away. I'm going to roll the dice and assume that I'll get by without smelling things. So what? I won't smell fresh cut grass anymore. So be perfumes, you know. All right, I still would rather be able to taste delicious, you know, tenderloin. I don't want to give up taste. That's a, that's a not sight. What if you boil it down to sight and hearing? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I would probably go without hearing. It's mm-hmm. a tough one because your no music you, you can't really. It's a lot tougher to communicate without hearing. Uh, but it would just be a shame not to you know watch things, sports, and see everything, movies, see they your, all be gone. See your kids and all that sort of. Oh thing. yeah, and kids. Yeah, see your kids. That's number one. Not being able to see my kids. That's why I couldn't do it without sight and and all the <laughs> sports and movies. Uh, skinny tie. How say you? Out of those two? No, out of out of the five. Oh, out of the five. I mean, obviously, smell is kind of the best one. I mean, it is. That's the, the obvious one. Ones, you know, well, even, make that the poll question. I want what? Which of the five senses do you give up? But it's stupid to take to allow taste 
while you're taking away smell. Don't you call me stupid. I'm, tr- I'm trying to create something. I'm trying to think it through. Without the, I don't want to – because if you lose smell, of course, I understand what your point is. Well, here's – Here's another point. When you're setting up polls, you want it to be close voting, and I think you're setting up a situation where 90% of people are going smell now. Well, if, if you're getting the you taste. know what? Time will tell. We won't know until we see the poll results. Now, next issue is I um, want to talk about the thing I just put up on NFL.com. It's I came up with. It's something we talked about, I think, a week or so ago. It first started kibitzing about. In light of the heat, Playing the Spurs, which is the best, uh, which is the best possible scenario of the f- the various concoctions you had out of the Final Four, would have been bad for ratings and stuff if if the Pacers and the Grizzlies were playing each other right now. Of course, I don't care from rating standpoint. I don't care. Neither one of us is uh, our, our network execs, so the ratings aren't important from a fan's perspective. What's the best Final Four for January slash February 2014, ending in New Jersey? I laid out eight scenarios. You can dig them up at uh, NFL.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K. I've given eight. As usual, people attack them. I hate all their teams if they're not listed in here. One Falcons fan has suggested I kill myself for not <laughs> including the Falcons. That's just a phrase. Yeah, know, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm toying with it. Maybe, maybe it is enough. Oh, by the way, before you peruse what I've done and, and come up with one of your own and drop me a line at Damashek if you want to um, offer up yours, thanks to everybody who did uh, tweet me their keen ideas. Um, it's my birthday. And yeah. I, and and I I'm curious why no one who's ever on this show is on the show today. Is it uh, when we leave when this show ends? Is I'm a, am I going to walk out of sixty six and be like surprise? There's and handsome moment. Hank and Rank and Hanzus and Sessler and Black Tie are all going to be out there with a big cake for me. Is that what's going to happen? There's a rumor that they are congregating somewhere, really and planning out something extravagant. I see. I didn't even know it was your birthday. Happy birthday. Well done. And, and yet you have to the... go to the uh, D team, you know, with me here today with everyone else. Coming. No, indeed. It's uh, it's quite a thrill to know that you're not uh, here just today, but that you will be here in perpetuity so that I can annoy you with my, with my, uh, you know, because I, like so I said. So what are you doing for your birthday? Anything? There's, you know, listen, there's you, there's Bert Breer, there's Jeff Darlington, there are all the other people out there in the world chasing real stories and looking for facts and for, you know, sources and everything. My my thing is reckless speculation. That's what I like to do. That's, uh, you know, some people have their oils. Some people have their clays. I have my reckless speculation. So you, you put eight of these options up here with the Super Bowl yes. uh, lineups. Or... Tell me what you think would be a good one. Well, I the, the initial one I had was the most boring answer, apparently, which is Seahawks, 49ers, Broncos, Patriots. Apparently, that's I the— I mean, listen, that's a great one. There's a, the, It's impossible to argue with. But what I did was—then I went to, it'd be great to see Peyton get another Super Bowl. Now, if he would play Eli, it's another scenario I throw out there. Of course, that's fun. But think in real terms. What do you think would be if Eli and Peyton were to play one another? And that's not an impossibility this year that that could happen. Or at some point in the next, so let's say, two years. At some point, Peyton Manning it might be this year. Uh, who knows when? At some point, it's just going to go away. This, this is what happens. And as I always point out, they generally, football players don't just don't generally, well, he's not as good as he used to be. It's like falling off a cliff. One year they're good. The next year they're zero, it seems like. Um if Peyton and Eli were to play one another and Eli would beat him head-to-head, then the conversation's over, right? No. 
It's over. If I'm, they if Eli beat Peyton head to head, then there is no way you could make uh, a, an argument in favor of Peyton over Eli at that point. I would. Of course you would. It's funny how the Super Bowl. It's not about one game. I mean, you it's put, not one game. It wouldn't be one game at that point. It would be it would be three successful playoff runs. And by the way, it's but funny. So that, many things went into those. You don't I think Peyton know, Manning I could know. have run those Giants teams into a Super Bowl? No, I don't. No, as a matter of fact, I don't. That's what I always said. Do I do? If you're asking if Peyton Manning had been on the Giants. In both of those Super Bowls against the Patriots, do I think that the Giants would have won? No, they wouldn't have. He would have turned the ball over somewhere along the way, and that would have been that. that I mean, that, that is the difference between those two. What about, though, so the other thing is, so I throw out Peyton. I thought it would be fun to see him in one more Super Bowl. A lot Bowl. of Peyton on these options. Well, of course. it's a you know he's a, he's a compelling figure in the league and in the twilight of his career. What if, though, Instead of I, because in, in the scenario you just threw out there, I thought Peyton against either the Mighty Niners or against the uh, the Seahawks with their great defense would be fascinating. But better yet, what if it's the Patriots and you put them against the 49ers? And now the Patriots, who have played in the last two title games and lost the Super Bowl that they were supposed to win, and then you went with the 49ers, who have been in the last two championship games in a, and a Super Bowl and lost the Super Bowl that they were supposed to win. Whoever loses that game, it would be ruinous, right? I mean, how many ta- how many beatings can you take with deep playoff runs and just keep coming back from it? Whoever would lose, if you would get, and this is a probably, I bet you a lot of people are picking Patriots to play the Niners for the Super Bowl. Whoever would lose that game would, would have to be positively destroyed, right? Right, but the 49ers fans at least have the fact that Kaepernick and Harbaugh are young. Speaking as, you know, a Patriots fan that was, you know, at both of those Giants losses. And I think probably all the Patriots fans. I, I left the second one thinking, well, that's it. You know, they'll probably get close or whatever. But the odds on them ever getting to the point where there's four minutes left and they're a, a nice first down throw away from probably winning the Super Bowl. The odds on them getting back historically are less than 50-50. Belichick and Brady are not going to get there one more. And every Patriots fan just wants that one more. So I don't think I'm alone in thinking last year when they lost to the Ravens, there's a small part of you that's like, well, at least they didn't lose another Super Bowl. Because it's so rough to get. It's it's easier to lose the one before that. It just just is. Well, And And you've lost faith at this point. Somewhat in yes, the Patriots coming have. through. Well, mo- most Patriots fans have probably lost I- faith in winning another if they get there. Be- not only because, you know, the 49ers are great last year. Whoever was making it was going to be good. I disagree. With, I, I understand your larger point, but I will say here's one that, that, that disproves that that's always true. In January of 2002, the upstart Patriots, when they were still a likable bunch, plucky gang, no, no, no individual introductions, we're a team and all that jazz. <laughs> Um, and they go beat the Rams. But before that, of course, in between the tuck rule game and beating the Rams in the Super Bowl, of course, they went into Pittsburgh and upset a team that was a prohibitive favorite to knock them off and was supposed to and everything else. That was way worse. I was in the stadium that day. I would rather the Steelers have advanced to the Super Bowl and lost to the Rams than get upset by that stinking Drew Bledsoe coming off the bench after two months away and whatever else happened. All the other hokum and hooey and applesauce you threw at us that day. I don't want to get upset. The point is you're not exactly right about that because sometimes it's, it's better. It's not always worse. It depends on the situation. You're right. If you're that big a favorite where no one was – that wasn't even supposed to be a game. I mean, that that 
harmed one of my friendships. I didn't speak to my Steelers <laughs> friend for a couple of days. I he, like it. He threatened like your to friend. desecrate my uh, my room. You know, it was it was. I want to be friends with him now. Y- you should be. All right. So we look at these scenarios. What about Tom Brady? Now it's easy to say in a vacuum. Oh yes, of course, I think he will. But I remind people when they when, uh, here's a, like a question with young quarterbacks too. Will Blank ever win a Super Bowl? Will Tom Brady? I'll start. I'll start with him. Will Tom Brady win a Super Bowl again? No. If I have Ooh. to choose yes or no, I think the odds are against it. Um, He's got how many years left? Two or, right. two it's or exactly three. Right. And just the way the NFL is, I think there's six, seven, eight teams that got a chance every year. And the Pats are they're almost always in that mix. They are always in that mix, but the odds are against it. Yeah, forget one out of 32 odds. Let's be realistic. I know that uh, even the bottom feeders right now feel like, may, you know, I bet Jags can make a, some Jags fan or even Jags players can make a case for how they get to the playoffs, and then we'll see. But realistically, let's say there are eight teams or ten teams in the league that really can win the Super Bowl. That's a so so you have a one in ten chance. That's a, those are long odds right there. And when so when people say, oh yeah, Andrew Luck is going to win multiple Super Bowls, and RG three is going to win multiple Super Bowls, and look out for what Cam Newton's going to do, <laughs> and Matt Ryan, oh it's just a matter of time for him. Well, guess what? They only give out one Lombardi a year, so the, it's it's fine in a vacuum to proclaim that this guy is going to be a winner. But you know, in ten years, those one in ten odds, one in twelve odds, or whatever, especially when Joe Flacco wins it, sometimes that's exactly right. When guys like that start sneaking in, it's like, well, wait a second, we have we already anointed. Some other guys to get their ring. So, yeah, it's an interesting point. All right. So, before we get to Jason Witten, Rosenthal, um, do you have? Do you want to throw well, one out here? Well, you threw out eight different options. I have to say I love the Lions, Vikings, Browns, Bills, Final Four. Once yes. you came up with that, I, I just thought, well, that that's it. If I can really choose any, any options, maybe I would tweak – I'm trying to think if the Vikings would well, definitely that's the be question. in that group. Well, that's the question. Who is the so uh, we we've talked about that with uh, again with Hanzus and Sessler in the past. Who is the longest suffering or who are the longest suffering fan bases? Immediately you you rule out the Texans, the Jags and the Panthers. Those fans haven't been through enough over the, you know, they they've barely been around. They've been around for 5 minutes. So, do you who did I exclude here? The Cardinals, the not in Arizona. I yeah, I thought about the Seahawks, but they, you know, I they don't feel like a but, they don't feel like a loser right now. So they've been around to... for so long. Yeah, right. they've been around for so long, and they have great fans. So that's a nice one-two combo of of suffering mm-hmm. that they need to be relieved. I love. I, so that's my answer. How about cause... that? The Falcons are another one. The Falcons have been in in uh, two Super Bowls, but wait, two Super Bowls, right? Or one? Not Was a great play that one Super though. Bowl. They only played in the one Chris Chandler Super Bowl. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, the uh, so so yeah, and the Cardinals haven't been in Arizona long enough, and I don't get the sense. You know, I I I feel some apathy, so I don't think that would be as exhilarating. The only problem is. With the between the Lions and Vikings, if they play one another, it would be fantastic. Except, as I indicate here in my little scenario, I decided that the football gods weigh in by tearing off the roof the night before and filling the joint with snow. That's what it needs, because that's what an NFC North game needs. Not they don't need to be in some clean climate controlled dome. If they're going to do it, let's do it right. You know. You only have one more year for the Metrodome to break, so I know. And then they go outdoor for two years, and then yeah. they go back indoors. So, uh, so maybe get it in that the, in that two year window. Yeah, the, at Minnesota. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I also speculated that it would be neat to see um, Alex Smith get to the Super Bowl to play the 49ers. But then I, but then I realized, let's save that one for the 50th anniversary. Now that would be, or by that, uh, by that same thing, you go Alex Smith and the Chiefs getting it on against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. 50th anniversary of the first Super Bowl in California, where it all started in the Bay Area. Alex Smith, a 49ers reject going up against Aaron Rodgers, a Bay Area native. That's juicy, but that's two years away, two and a half years away, in fact. Or throw Andy Reid in there. I mean, throw Andy Reid against the Eagles in there. Instead. Oh, that's in there. That, I've got that one in my scenario. Yeah, I've got that. <laughs> so make a choice, though. you got eight different options. you got to um, make I, a I choice. I did eight. I, I gave eight, and that was clearly not enough. Now I'm getting uh, wishes that I, that, uh, that I take myself out on my birthday. <laughs> Enough's enough with you, Damashek, is what the football audience is saying. You know? We get it. Good night. Now, before, we, uh, before I bid you good night, I wish to say... Be on the lookout for um, – I just sat down with Deshaun Jackson. We went in. We jumped into the sports car. Philadelphia Eagles uh, star wide receiver. We wheeled around the streets of L.A. He's an L.A. native. We drove around. We had a gay old time. It was really good. I don't want to pull back the curtain too much. Suffice to say, he got me a nice little birthday present on out on the streets. It was a lot of fun. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And also at NFL.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K, you can see the eight scenarios that uh, Rosenthal and I are kibitzing about currently. What's going down at around the league um, right now at NFL.com besides Tim Tebow? Is there, are you allowed to discuss anything else right now? Well, it's minicamp season. we got 23 teams, so we're doing a lot of that. And then it gets real quiet. We'll have our best tight ends in the NFL series, you know, we did the wide receivers last yeah, week. Yeah, we will, like I said, up. we'll get Wesling in here to break down his top 40 wide receivers. Check that out. I mean, we'll we'll keep it rolling. People right. kind of take off the month, but we're we're still going. We're doing a, a series on breakout players. I mean, and if there's nothing out there, we'll just make some stuff up. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right, listen, Greg Rosenthal, welcome to L.A. I am excited to listen to to periodically check in with you here on the podcast to see how your transition is going. I know you're not a stranger to LA, but I am always I'm endlessly fascinated by the differences between New York, the sports media there versus what goes on out here. I contend this is a conversation for another time, but I contend that as much as people say LA media is so soft, it's so easy compared to other places in the country, I say that when Dwight Howard doesn't resign with the Lakers, it will be the fault of the LA media. They really they hung this guy out to dry. It was his fault while he's playing hurt. I think they're going to be responsible for him leaving town, not unlike New York media sometimes does to players. And but, now you're looking for me to have an opinion on the LA media and I Dwight know, Howard? Not right now. I said it's a conversation for another time. Build up I, I want you to spend some time doing it. But we will have some nice meals, I feel, because you, me, and Handsome Hank like to eat food. And um, and so maybe you can join us. We're you know I need your help because my wife. Well, we're getting off topic, but my wife's. Uh, I can uh, give you any food tip you need, fella. She's a chef. You know, moving from New York to here, that's a big concern. So sure, we'll, we'll talk. Well, I think she'll be pleasantly surprised. Is my is my big answer to that? Is that now? Of course, there's not going to be as many good restaurants in L.A. as New York, but L.A. 
underrated in the food department. There's some good ones. I mean, obviously, sushi is going to be delicious. But I'll hip you and your chef lady to all sorts of things. Does she make people call her chef? Like the way people say, you know, you have to call a doctor, doctor, which I'm cool with. Kamish, cool. That's fine. He's Kamish Goodell. I think we're starting to get a li- professor. Okay. Coach, <laughs> all right, too. But we're getting a little bit pretentious when it's like, Chef says this. The, 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 uh, what? What are you talking Chef. That's a person. No, no, no. That's her title. I think that's too much. I agree. She actually would get mad at me if she heard this because she would say it's cook because she's not a, the chef. She'd, she'd be a cook. Whenever I said chef, she'd be like cook. So, so I like her. They, they take it seriously. Though. All right. I like that, and I like you, and I like you moving out to L.A., so we'll kib it soon. All right. There goes Rosenthal out of 66, and right now – with Skinny Ty's help, we spoke. We're doing it a little out of order. We caught up with him a little while ago. It's Jason Witten. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler. He is the reigning NFL Man of the Year, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And uh, he is one of the tight ends that snuck into the precious top 100 list. Greg uh, Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham, one of those two guys is not going to be on the list. But this guy is. Here he is, everybody. Dallas Cowboys tight end, Jason Witten. What's the poop, fella? All right, here he is, everybody. He's number 41 on the top players of 2013 list seen on NFL Network. Eight-time Pro Bowler, Tony Romo's favorite target out there on the gridiron. It's Jason Witten. What's the poop, fella? Uh, doing good. Glad to be on with you. How you doing? Well, I'm not too bad. Not as good as you. Like I say, you're considered now by your peers to be nothing worse than the third best tight end in pro football as we sit here in the summertime getting ready for 2013. How does that make you feel? Does that is that flattering? Or do you feel like, hey, listen, I broke the record for single season receptions. I should be number one. No, I don't think it that way. Hey, look, it's, uh, it's always an honor to be uh... – to be recognized by your peers, and I think that's a great thing that uh, NFL and the NFL Network are doing. And um, but but listen, I, mean, I, I think you always set your expectations pretty high for yourself, and and uh, I'm I'm appreciative of that. But ultimately, now you know my focus is just trying to help our team win a Super Bowl and be the best tight end I can be. That's for sure. I see how this is going to go, Witten. You're going to be politically correct. You don't mind? You, you Vernon Davis is ahead of you. You're you're cool with that. Hey, he's a great player. I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about him. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't think you're you're the best or you're not working to be the best, then, um, you know, that's for any good player in this league. You know, I, I think they need to – would have to check yourself out because uh, I think that's the way you have to approach the game, both mentally and physically, and, and believe you can have it – have uh, be able to do it. But, um, but, again, whoever the other two guys – you said Vernon, I'm not sure who the other one was – Obviously, they're great players as well, and that's what makes this league so special is, is the competition of, of guys within positions. Well, if you haven't been paying attention, then uh, then get ready for this news. The two guys ahead of you are Vernon Davis and either Rob Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham. That means that either Jimmy Graham or Gronk is not going to be anywhere on the top, uh, top 100 list. What, what does that uh, make you think? Well, somebody needs to check that top 100 list. <laughs> One of those two is not on it because uh, obviously they're great players, and you know they've, they've kind of uh, this position's really evolved over the last 10, 12, 15 years, and, and um, you know obviously Tony Gonzalez has done it for a long time, and 
fortunately, I've I've been doing it for for over a decade now, and and but some of these young guys are very dynamic players and and uh, post a threat uh, against any defensive front. So, um, but maybe uh, Gronkowski didn't make it because of the injuries last year. I'm not sure. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, the, the the tight end position has really emerged, and you've really bridged the gap from being sort of an old-school type of tight end into this newfangled type of looking guy that's more of a hybrid. I think of Aaron Hernandez cuts the figure more of a, of a tall, wide receiver more than a classic tight end. Who, if you had to, Jason Witten gets to keep his brain, you know, but Everything else, the physique and the speed and all that stuff. Who's the tight end you look at in the NFL right now and say, "Man, I wish he I, I had what this guy has going on." Well, I don't know that there's one guy you look at. I mean, to answer your question, I, I don't think that there's one guy that you you take and say, "Hey, I, I'd like to be that." Um, I, I think there's a lot of different tight ends that do a lot of different things well. Um, I, I think that's where the challenge is: is to try to be that consistent. Uh, tight end week in and week out, both in the pass game and the run game. I mean, to, to be that dual threat, it, it poses a lot of uh, difficulties on defenses. But uh, if, if you're looking at a couple things, I would say, you know, I mean, Vernon Davis's speed, obviously he's probably one of the best tight ends, runs like a receiver. Um, I, I think Graham does a great job of, of going up and getting balls. I mean, so many uh, throws that Drew throws up there that he just knows Jimmy's going to come down with him. And, and – uh, I think Gronkowski does a great job in that system. He makes a lot of big plays and just a huge red zone threat that, that you know, I think we all look at and say, hey, man, if I, I'd like to be him in the red zone. That's for sure. So uh, there's a lot of different guys you look at, and you just try to piece and puzzle it together. And, and uh, that's what makes this game a chess match. Is it's, a, it's a battle every week, and, and um, you gotta you got to be able to, to adjust and, and uh, perfect your game in a way that um, you can match what those other players do. You're a part of the Beat the Heat program, and uh, that's uh, what Gatorade has going on this summer. Talk about your involvement with that. Yeah, well, it's a it's a great program. Um, I, I think we all know about Gatorade and what a great product it is, and uh, but but really just encouraging these young athletes, you know, football players in high school and, and, and middle school, to stay hydrated uh, so that they can be their best during the upcoming season. And um, I, I personally know what it feels like to be dehydrated and cramp up and uh, you know unfortunately some people have had worse injuries than that due to, to being dehydrated so Gatorade is doing a great job of just putting it out there to let everybody know that uh, to beat the heat the things that you have to do and stay staying hydrated so that you can do so and, and obviously be the best player you can be so I'm glad to be a part of that and uh, fortunate to be here. Yeah, fortunate. I I get it. But is there some sort of moral quandary in your brain that you're a Tennessee volunteer and Gatorade started at your arch rival University of Florida? It did start there, but, um, you know, it, it evolves. I mean, if it just stayed there, I, I would have a tough time just, uh, just you know, partnering up with them. But, but it, it, it does evolve, and uh, what a great product it really has is, is kind of changed the game with rehydration so i'm thrilled to, to to be here and you're right they did go to florida and, and that's a it's a start of florida and that's a great rivalry but um you know we've overcame all that <laughs> well listen you're the an eight-time pro bowler can't you use your influence to say at least when i'm involved can't we change it to rocky top aid that's true. That's true. Maybe we should do it. We got to win a few more ball games up there before that happens. Okay, fair enough. Also, <laughs> love the uh, love the um, story about you 
and uh, the reason why you got the 2013 Walter Payton Man of the Year trophy um, back in February, the night before the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it, do you get a copy, by the way, of the – I mean, do you get a replica of the statue? I did. I did. It got sent to me, and, uh, you know, that thing weighs about 45 pounds. So, you know, that thing coming in the mail, I felt sorry for the, uh, the delivery <laughs> truck when that came in. But, uh, you know, what, what a huge honor. I mean, um, you know, first of all, just to be mentioned with, with Walter Payton, and I mean, I knew him as sweetness and what he did on the field, but, um, you know, to, to see the impact and how he lived his life and just everybody around him and, and to see his family. Uh, was special and, and just really humbled to receive that because I know so many guys around the league understand that the platform that they have and the responsibility to be a role model and, and uh, that's something that I take really serious and uh, want to make an impact and really want to create a legacy off the field just like you tried to on the field and uh, just I can't say enough how, how humbled I was and what an honor uh, it was for me to be mentioned with him and to receive that award this year. And listen, you're deserving, like I say, a fantastic profile of you and the reasons why you uh, you got the award this year. But it's also the coolest trophy in the NFL, right? Is there any trophy that uh, that looks so good? Is that one the Cape Player? No, it, it's pretty special. And uh, you know, to, to that one, you know, it's going to be sitting in, in my in my office there for a long time. And something I'll be proud of because it is a special special trophy and. Really, it's not about the trophy. It's about the guy behind the trophy, and, and that's Walter Payton. And just uh, just everything the league stands for and the shield stands for, that's what he represented. And uh, I, I was thrilled to be mentioned with him. All right, let's talk about 2013. And uh, as you guys are getting ready there on NFL.com, Gil Brandt, of course, the architect of those great Cowboys teams of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, has now picked the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East. What do you think about that? I mean, this, as always, this division's going to be rugged. What if I told you I can guarantee you two wins against one of those three teams? You absolutely will win the season series against the Redskins, Eagles, or Giants. I asked this question of Alfred Morris a couple of weeks ago. He said the Dallas Cowboys. How say you, Jason Witten? Well, you know, he's going into his second year, so, I mean, he hasn't learned to probably hate a lot of different teams yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but when you play for for this division long enough, you realize, you know, they don't like you and you don't like them, and that's for all other three teams in the division. Um, so I, I would be thrilled to win them all in that division. I, I think it's a, it's one of the, you know, it's probably the best division in, in, in pro football. Um, every one of them is different. Every team is different. But it's just a, it's a challenge to go on the road and play those three teams. And, um, you know, some of them have changed faces with Philly and the system that they're doing. But there's just something different about those NFC East games. And, and uh, you know, I appreciate Gil that has, his, uh, has the Cowboys win in the East. But um, we know that it's a tough challenge. And for us, two years at 8-8, eight and eight, we've got to be able to make the hump, get over the hump. And uh, we've got to play well early. And, um, you know, we, we know what we have to do have to not turn the ball over and uh, defensively get turnovers and just play winning football. Too many opportunities where we've been in the big game, but we came up short. We've got to find a way to execute better down the stretch. I listen. I, I don't. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. And I, if I ask you about what, what about Tony Romo? I, I, I can predict the, the answers around that. But makes sense for me. I know that the secondary was shoddy last year. The last couple of years, the offensive line wasn't uh, where you guys would like it. What turns this team 
into helps you guys get into double digits in, in wins? And what specifically gets Tony Romo playing a different brand of football where he isn't in the fourth quarter having to constantly feel like he has to make every big play in order for you guys to win those games? Well, I think it's collective, you know, effort. I think we've got a good group of guys, of core guys that are really good players in this league and uh, the experiences that have gotten to this point. But, you know, offensively, we've got to run the ball better. I think we we became one, uh, one-dimensional way too much in the season where we were playing from behind. We've got to protect the ball. And uh, defensively, we have to stop them and get, get the ball out, get turnovers. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that we have the players that do it. We know this is a tough league. Other teams have those guys too. So focusing on those details allow you to, to be successful. And, um, you know, I, I know that's a little bit of a cliche in the answer, but uh, that's what this game's about. That's what this league's about. Um, you know, 60 70% of these games are coming down to seven points or less. And uh, you got to be able to find a way to execute in tough situations, whether on the road or at home. And uh, that's what we're focused on doing. And I like our group of guys that we have, and we'll see what happens. I also just want to get your reaction to the news that the Patriots this week signed Tim Tebow. He's going to be in minicamp now with the Patriots. What's your reaction to that? Because, you know, the the thing you hear a great deal about is, hey, there's no position in sports that has more pressure on it than quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It seems to me like the pressure goes into the locker room of wherever Tim Tebow is now, not because of anything he's doing, just because of the media storm. Is this a mistake to bring in somebody like that into a locker room? Because that means you're going to be answering questions incessantly about somebody else. Uh, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I think New England is, is does a great job, Coach Belichick, of you know not allowing distractions to get in the way of, of the focus on being with the team and, and, and getting better. So, um, you know, I can see that, obviously. You know, he's proven that he can play in this league and be successful, and, and uh, we'll see how the process plays out. But, but I, I don't think uh, you, you worry about those distractions, especially when in a locker room like New England's where such a veteran presence and a head coach that um, – just doesn't tolerate that. So, um, you know, I'm sure they'll evaluate it and deal with it, but I don't think players look at that as an issue. Last thing for you, Jason, it's summertime. What's your uh, baseball team? Are you watching NBA finals? What are you doing to, to fill the void till football gets going here? You no, know, I, I, I am watching the NBA finals. Uh, we got a good series going, and, uh, you know, Spurs uh, dropped one last night, so we'll see if they can bounce it back uh, here uh, tomorrow night. You root for the Spurs? You have the Mavericks in your backyard. Oh, absolutely. I'm a Mavs fan, but I'm just now that the series is good, it's a championship. you got to pick one, don't you? I guess so. I guess that's a fair point. You're a Rangers guy, I assume? Absolutely. All right, very good. Last thing for you, actually. One more thought. Here's what you do. Go into Jerry Jones or whoever makes this decision. Instead of the navy blue jerseys or even the white ones, go back to the royal blue ones that you wore in Super Bowl V. I know you're too young to have seen those live, but have you ever seen video of those? Those look terrific. I like those jerseys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you could sport those at some point this year, huh? Absolutely. All right, excellent. All right, listen, Jason Garrett, you're one of the good guys in the league and uh, a part of the Gatorade Beat the Heat program, and uh, we thank you very much for the time and best wishes coming up in 2013 here. Thanks, Dave, but it's Jason Witten, not Jason Garrett. Oops. (laughs) No, you are not uh, Jason Garrett. No, you are Jason Witten, of course. I I apologize for that. It could be worse. I could have called you Jason Mraz. But I could have called you Jason Statham, too, and that might have been even cooler because he's good at karate. And so, anyway, Jason Witten 
I apologize. Thanks very much for the time. Thanks for uh, the info on Gatorade and uh, one of the good guys in the league. We wish you all the best as you get ready for the upcoming season, man. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> all right, take care. I like him. Did you like him, Skinny Tie? Oh, class act. Class he act. seems like a nice fella. Especially being that he I don't think I don't think you're allowed to. I disagree. You can't root for if you're in Dallas and you're a, a Mavericks fan. You can't then say, well. Now that the Mavericks are out, now I'm going to root for the Spurs. No, that's one of those situations where you have to root for anybody but the in-state rival. It doesn't make a difference who they're playing. It's a, they're they're out. My you know? roommate from college is a big Mavs fan, and he's rooting for the Spurs too. Well, that's not accepted. Doesn't so, make it I, right. It's some weird thing. I you know I don't. It's know not if, weird. It's it's wrong. Is what well, it, it is. It is wrong, and I don't know why they're doing it. Thank you for agreeing at least on that. You don't do that. I mean, who the Mavericks have as a rival, if not the Spurs, right? But I guess maybe the, the hatred for the Heat is so strong that it overcomes. They don't, don't they don't play that up enough in the state of Texas, that three-way rivalry. That should be a much bigger deal. In it the really NBA, should be. You know? It really should be. All right. Well, listen. Let's leave it there. Put that poll up about the one sense you want to lose. And if you have any sense at all, I think the correct answer is smell. If you can make a compelling case to the contrary, drop me a line. At Damashek. All check out that, and thanks to uh, editor in chief of Around the League, Greg Rosenthal, a uh, a welcome um, return or uh, you know full time move out here to the West Coast, and we uh, look forward to yapping more with him in the cup- coming weeks and months and years, or at least until I get fired. Um, either way, we'll be back with episode one sixty two later in the week. Skinny tie. We have any guests lined up? Uh, we might have a mod Bradshaw. Oh yeah, new of the uh, new of the Indy Colts. Yeah, so that'd, that'd be fun. Be yeah. All right, I look forward to that. Maybe the fellows will be back. Hopefully, uh, they should be. They're here. They're on the other side of the door. I'm going to go celebrate with the gang. Um, but uh, in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.